new CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Discover your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. As you well know, Kansas State opened its football season with a very disappointing performance against Arkansas State, falling in its only non-conference game of the season. All seemed lost just one game into the year. And then K-State went to Oklahoma and rallied in the fourth quarter to knock off number three Oklahoma and then returned home and beat Texas Tech 31-21. Suddenly, the football season is alive and well in Manhattan, Kansas as the Wildcats prepare to head to Fort Worth to take on Coach Gary Patterson's TCU Horned Frogs in a 3 p.m. game on Saturday. Welcome to the Fitz and Keats Powercat pregame show, sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. K-State fans, visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the Powercat pregame podcast. Following a hard-fought 31-21 win over Texas Tech last week, K-State heads back out on the road in Big 12 play as the Cats face TCU at Amon Carter Stadium Saturday. The game kicking at three will be shown nationally on Fox with Tim Brando and Spencer Tillman on the call and of course the game can be heard across the 39 station K-State Sports Network with Wyatt Thompson on play-by-play. K-State won that game, but it also lost in a big way. It lost quarterback Skylar Thompson in the first half of that win over Texas Tech, and he did not return. He did return to the sideline, but in street clothes and with his arm in a sling, a sign that Thompson may not be available for this game Saturday in Fort Worth. If you ask Coach Chris Kleiman, he's coy. He's trying to get Thompson back on the practice field, he said earlier this week, and he may well play at TCU. But odds are Kansas State will turn to true freshman Will Howard to take over the quarterbacking duties just as he did against Texas Tech. And we saw the Wildcats fall behind the Red Raiders in the second half, and the freshmen lead a rally with a couple nice short passes that led to big gains and set up touchdowns for the Wildcats. Will Will Howard play? That is the storyline that is lingering over this game as the Wildcats prepare to head down to Fort Worth. But last week against Tech, Skylar Thompson became just one of two QBs and school history to throw for more than 5,000 yards and rush for more than 1,000 yards in a career. The other was the legendary L. Roberson. That stat alone shows how underrated Skylar Thompson is in the eyes of many fans. He has had a significant impact on this program during Chris Kleiman's first two seasons. But the head turner so far this season hasn't been a senior. It has been 
a freshman, and not Will Howard. True freshman running back Deuce Vaughn continues to impress as he leads the team in rushing and receiving, the only player in the Big 12 to lead his team in both categories. Last week, Vaughn tallied 194 scrimmage yards, 113 on the ground, and 81 receiving, a week after amassing 174 yards against Oklahoma. He's won the Newcomer of the Week award both of the last two weeks for the Wildcats. Defensively, Kansas State continues to show progress under new defensive coordinator Joe Klanderman. Yes, they struggled against the Red Wolves in the opening game that lost to Arkansas State, but ever since then, they have been plotting a course to success. Last week, Elijah Sullivan, the senior linebacker, had a career-high 12 tackles against Tech and leads the team with 21 stops on the year alongside fellow senior linebacker Justin Hughes. And safety Jerron McPherson has had two big games in a row as he's combined for 19 tackles and a tackle for loss, a forced fumble, and two interceptions in being a solid defensive presence for the Wildcats. And, of course, there's the special teams. K-State has now blocked punt attempts in the first three games. All three have been significant occurrences for the Wildcats in the course of the game. Can they make it four? Well, that seems highly unlikely. Or will Kansas State's return game show its head again this season as the Cats play the Horned Frogs? TCU is 1-1 one one on the season. They did not get in a non-conference game, but they did beat Texas 33-31 last week in Austin after opening its season with a home loss to Iowa State. Against the Longhorns, TCU scored the go-ahead touchdown on a Max Duggan 26-yard run with four minutes left in the contest. The Horned Frogs then forced and recovered a Texas fumble inside their own one-yard line with less than three minutes left to preserve the lead. Duggan, a true sophomore, is back on the field for the Horned Frogs after an off-season scare with a heart issue. He has thrown for 472 yards and three touchdowns while also leading the team in rushing with 89 yards and two scores. Duggan might be playing as well as any quarterback in this conference, and he will certainly be a headache for the Wildcats in this game. To discuss all of this and so much more, we now bring in my sidekick, Mr. Kevin Keatsman of Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, a great new podcast in the Kansas City area. And of course, he is a radio legend, not just in my mind, but historically. Kevin, welcome back to the show. And I had issues with K-State's defense early in the second half against Texas Tech. But Keats had got it settled down. They had the freshman quarterback. They were a little too conservative with him. And then they let him go a little bit at the end of the game. And it paid dividends. K-State escapes with a win over Texas Tech. And I think Chris Kleiman overstated it a little bit post game when he said, I told the guys this is bigger than Oklahoma because you had to respond after beating Oklahoma. But I get the point. I, I get the point that this game, Texas Tech, isn't awful. They might be the ninth best team in the conference, but they're not awful. They're capable of beating you. And K-State got it taken care of without their senior quarterback. Kudos to them. Right. I mean, really bad circumstances to try to win a football game. It looked like they may run them off the field early. I thought Skylar Thompson threw some really, really nice passes early on in that game as they opened up a 14-0 lead. He thought, okay, this could be easy today. And I was literally sitting there thinking about you because <laughs> you'd said, oh yeah, this is the ninth best team in the league. And I thought, Okay, this is going to be a walk in the park. 
And then Skyler goes down, and, and they were conservative, Will Howard, when they brought him in. But I think it was the right thing to do. There was still the chance that being conservative was going to win the game, that the defense would be able to win the game. And then if that didn't work, then you could try to do some things offensively. I think the one thing that Kleiman didn't want to do was turn the ball over a couple of times and let Tech right back into the game. So I'm not sure his conservatism was wrong. It certainly didn't play out great because they lost the lead. Uh, but it worked out in the end. They made enough plays and they got the job done. You know, my concern on this thing, Fitz, I've now in three games with Kansas State, I've watched two things happen with injured players that really have me bothered. And it's really three-pronged. Like, K-State has more guys sitting because of COVID than anybody. That's number one. Number two, they lose the safety in the first game, and I think this play was stopped for like 16 minutes. They strap him on a board. They take him to the hospital, and he walks out of there like two hours later on his own in his own power and then plays the next week. And then Skylar Thompson lays on the turf and then they take him to the locker room and they put him in a sling. And this is a bruised arm. There's nothing torn. There's nothing, you know, hurt. There's nothing broken. He bruised his arm. What's going on with the K-State medical crew with these guys? It seems like if you get a hangnail, you're coming out of the game and you're not going back. Yeah. Well, I think Skylar's much more injured than what they're letting on They're He's gone full, full built Snyder here. Keats. He's, he's, just intentionally being vague about the injury and about whether Skyler will play at TCU because he wants TCU to prepare for Skyler Thompson and not simply prepare to blitz Will Howard on every other down. Um, and uh, I will be stunned if we see Skyler Thompson, not just in this game, but after a week off against KU. I think he's going to be out for a while. I think there's more than what they're letting on there. But uh, congratulations to Chris Kleiman for winning the Bill Snyder uh, vague answer award for the week because he's, he's done it well. It's terrible to say, but I kind of hope you're right because I think a bigger issue would be, and we've heard some people talking about this, a bigger issue to me would be a a too far reaching and overzealous uh, health system there within the athletic department, medical team. I I am concerned about it. I'm concerned that they're going too far with a lot of things they're doing medically at K-State is a 180 probably from where bill snyder had it and they probably needed some correction but i'm watching a lot of other college football teams and it seemed like k-state is going farther if you're right and he doesn't play for a few weeks then i'll be more than happy to stand corrected but all these coveted covid tracer players sitting out and then what happened in the first game and now this if skylar thompson comes out and plays it looks to me like the medical team is trying too hard yeah i mean uh, the big phrase everyone wants to use nowadays is abundance of caution. Boy, that drives me crazy. Uh, and I think uh, you're right. I think you can make an argument that they are being abundantly too clear, uh, cautious at times because they do have a lot of people that have been sitting out for contact tracing. And you know what, Keats? I think K-State's doing it the right way, doing it the way you're supposed to. Uh, but I don't think anyone else is or most programs aren't doing that. They're just kind of, well, we're going to test you a few times and then we'll just forget it ever happened. And, you know, maybe that's right. I don't know. We just, we're kind of going blindly into this and we'll see. Um, on the field, though, I I know K-State's a 10-point dog at TCU, mostly due to the quarterback situation. Um, but TCU doesn't overwhelm me. And having Max Duggan back is, uh, is helpful. I mean, he's a good quarterback. He Ran all over K State last year. He looked like El Roberson. Um, I, I just think this is a very winnable game for K State. But I also understand why they're uh, a touchdown and a field goal underdog at in Fort Worth. 
Well, they're all winnable. And as you pointed out last week, the defense let you down a little bit in the second half. Look, if they're going to square up and tackle as well as they have the last couple of games and, and just fund be fundamentally sound on defense, I think this year in this league, that can carry you a long way. There, it doesn't appear that there's any real unstoppable offenses for teams like we've seen traditionally in the Big 12 that, man, you could be loaded with NFL players and you can't go out and stop somebody. It doesn't look like that to me. It looks to me like the kind of league where there's going to be a lot of third and fours. And if your corner knows how to go up and tackle a guy on a swing pass and keep him from getting five yards, you're probably going to get a lot of stops. I mean, I, I don't see teams just around this league just freewheeling it downfield 25 yards on third and four. And, oh, this is easy. We're just going to do whatever we want. The quarterbacks don't seem invincible. So you're right. It's another game that's winnable. I think it's winnable because, Kate, in my opinion, K-State has really shown to me at times in the last two games since halftime of the Oklahoma game that they know how to tackle, that they know the fundamentals, that they know how to square up, stay in position, know their role, and make the play and don't get fooled. And if you do that, that's going to go a long way in this league. And I don't know who this kid number seven is, Smith. I, you have to help me out. But I watched him come on the field last week, and I thought they put a heat-seeking missile out there on the field. I've never seen like it. I'm going to guess at some point he gets ejected from a game, okay? Yeah, because he's, I agree. He's, he's, go, he's going he's to get kicked out. But, man, what does that bring to a defense when you got a guy out there that says, this is football. I'm going to come take your head off. Are you ready for this? I'm bringing it. I love that, man. Uh, I did too. And uh, he does walk the line. I mean, they reviewed him one time. And just because you hit someone hard doesn't mean it's targeting. And um, that's another thing that bothers me about the game now. Ooh, that was a really hard hit. We better check to see if it was dirty. Yeah, no, it's football. And Chris Kleiman made that really clear that he didn't feel like Skyler getting injured was in, you know, any kind of reaction by Tech to get revenge over Bowman getting injured, their quarterback. He said it was football. And I think we forget that. But uh, fellow old man, let me ask you this. T.J. Smith reminds you of Mario Smith at safety, the way they come up and whack people? Yes. Yes, and that's what you're looking for. As long as it's legal, don't launch. Don't launch your helmet. Keep, you know, the simple rule of not targeting is just keep your head up. If you can see your target, you're probably not targeting. It's when you lower your head or turn your shoulder sideways and turn your head the other way. Those things are easy to see. If you're looking at what you're tackling, you're probably not going to get called for targeting or get ejected from a game. But, man, I, I don't – they don't make football players like that. Is he a, a true freshman? True freshman. True freshman. I mean, okay, he just – every day when he wakes up, he wants to go hit somebody. Uh -huh. And I don't mean in a fight. I don't mean physically. He wants to get the pads on, play football, and hit somebody. And they don't make players like that anymore. I, that, that kid's impressive. Well, this freshman class is impressive. I mean, the final play of uh, the game for K-State's offense is a true freshman quarterback changing a play at the line of scrimmage to get the ball to his two true freshman running back who's paired up with a linebacker in the slot. And perfect throw, perfect catch, perfect run to the end zone for 70 yards. Uh, if you're Tech, you look at that and go, they were both true freshmen. Oh, we're screwed. I mean, that I mean, that has to send chills down the spines of other coaches that they have true freshmen at Kansas State doing this. And because of the rules, they will be freshmen next year, no matter how many games they play this year. Right. And it doesn't look like as great as Deuce Vaughn is. I mean, I don't think the NFL is just sitting there salivating him because of his size. No. I, think, I think he's going to get drafted. I think he's got a chance to be a pro player. But it's not something like he's just trying to churn up his eligibility so he can leave. I don't think he's that guy at all. So I think it's very exciting for K-State. The other thing is, wasn't that the exact same play that beat Oklahoma the week before? 
You know, I'm not sure. I need to go I, back and I, look. I, it might have been the exact same play. I don't know if they call it something different or there was some sort of different formation. I didn't look at the, the formation. But the other thing Tech had to be thinking is, well, how do we not know that was coming? You know, mm-hmm. they, I, I, you could have made an argument there to just run the ball and punt it away and play defense. I, I, mean, I, I wouldn't have, but as conservative as they were with the quarterback, um, you know, they weren't going to have a lot of time left in that case. You could also make an argument that Vaughn should have gone down after he got the first down and just laid on the turf and run the clock out. Uh, we saw two weeks in a row with the Dallas Cowboys and then the Texas Longhorns win improbable games with onside kicks. And by scoring the touchdown, it put K-State in jeopardy of that. But the kid doesn't think that. You know, you catch a pass, you see a seam, you're going to the end zone. Yeah. It was glorious to watch. And it, and it made Will Howard's day because, I mean, his stats were all right there in one play. Well, he had actually two plays because Briley Moore had a catch along the sideline yeah. and it went for 66. Um, yeah. Someone said, well, you know, his stats weren't that good because, you know, most of it was after the throw. No, what a good quarterback does is he – throws the ball in a spot where his guys can catch and run at the same time. Uh, that was always one of my problems with with the Snyder system. So much of the underneath stuff or short stuff was, I'm going here and I'm stopping and then I'll catch and then I'll run. And it never went for anything unless it was horrible coverage. These plays, they're hitting people in stride. They turn their shoulders and they're upfield and it's fun to watch. It, it is. I like this offense. It's the way they spread the ball around reminds me a little bit of the Chiefs, a little bit less exotic at times than the Chiefs because they they really do some things I think K State should incorporate with their short passing game. But uh, this offense is highly effective and puts a quarterback in positions to succeed. No doubt, and and I hate to beat on the dead horse here, but throwing the ball downfield for K State has not been a very lucrative pursuit because. Even when the receiver is open and the ball is there, we see a lot of drops still. And as long as the receivers at Kansas State don't have great hands, it seems improbable that you want to throw the ball 30 or 40 yards downfield a lot. So it needs to be like that. It needs to be an offense where it's run after catch. I'm on board with that. Maybe that changes through recruiting. Maybe the receivers and Taylor's a big target. Looks like he can go up and, and get some things. I don't know how great his hands are. We'll see over time. But you know, I, I get really frustrated when I see open receivers downfield and a pass in stride that's not completed. That's got to be the most frustrating thing in the world for a team, for an offense, for a coach, for anyone involved. So I think they are doing the right things. They've got guys who clearly can scoot after they catch the ball. Twelve completed passes in this game against Texas Tech, seven of which were caught by running backs in the tight end, Briley Moore. And 80% of the yardage came from not throwing to wide receivers. And I think that underscores what you're saying. The receivers aren't catching the ball cleanly. They're not doing a good job, particularly Malik Knowles, who clearly has, uh, I described it maybe as the yips, the football version of it, where you can't sink the long putt, you hit him in the hands, or the short putt, and you hit him in the hands and he can't bring it in. They've got to get better at receiver. They just have to, uh, because uh, once people adjust to making sure they're putting safeties on those tight ends and running backs, they're going to have some interesting matchups with receivers, but they got to throw it to them and they got to catch it. It's just, it's sad to watch guys that their job is to catch the ball, not catch the ball. It seems like a fixable problem to most people that watch football. And here's why. If you flat out had no hand-eye coordination, if you just flat couldn't catch a football, you'd be a cornerback. You wouldn't be lined up wide receiver. So you've shown some ability at some point to catch the football and be fairly consistent with it. I've spent a lot of time or, you know, around the Chiefs and would sit there. Tony Gonzalez was just a machine. He, you know, practice would be over with the Chiefs, and Tony Gonzalez would go over to the jugs machine, 
and stand about eight yards away from it. And they'd crank that sucker up to, I don't know how many miles an hour and just sit there and shoot footballs at him as hard as they could. And he would, he'd probably take another hundred, 150 catches after practice out of a jugs machine at point blank range, really hard. That's simply for hands. That's not for anything else. That's just, I'm getting my hands and they would shoot him different directions. And I don't know. It seems to me like that'd be the easiest craft in the world to practice on your own or in the off season or with another wide receiver with a jugs gun or whatever. And now they wear these gloves that you're like, you're like Spider-Man. I know everything sticks. It seems like it ought to be a fixable problem. Yeah. I don't understand it with those gloves. You almost have to try not to catch the ball. The ball just sticks to it. Uh, everyone's so enchanted with these one-handed grabs, and I'm like, you know, back in the day, Kevin Lockett did that with hands, not gloves. Right. You know, it's just, yes. yeah. Uh, it it's really uh, how much football has changed over the years. Keats, this is, uh, this is an enormous opportunity for K State. This game jumps out at me at TCU on Saturday because they go down there and win. They come home, they get the week off. Hopefully, they can stay away from COVID. That's when we're actually seeing some problems programs get into trouble because the players relax during their uh, not having an off or having an off weekend. Then they play KU and then they go to West Virginia. They just seem to have the table set here uh, to make a little push. But boy, this one jumps out at you as a game that if they can go steal a second road game against a pretty good team, K-State's going to be in really good shape. Yeah. If they win this one, you're looking at four and oh, and a lot of people saying, okay, uh, K-State's got an inside track at that championship game here. You can see the pathway because the 4-0 includes winning at Oklahoma. You've sort of flipped your schedule into your favor right. along those lines as well. Here's what I really like about K-State and their possibility, their chances of pulling this off and getting into the title game. What I like about it is they don't look like the kind of team that's going to get blown out. Like, I'm not sure they're going to win this week, but I'm pretty sure they're going to have a chance. Fitz. I don't think it's going to be 31-10 to in the fourth quarter and K-State's out of it. Now, Maybe that's a little pie in the sky on my part. Maybe if they have to play the freshman quarterback, they simply can't pass the football and they become one-dimensional and they can't compete. Those things can all happen. But Chris Kleiman strikes me as the kind of coach that no matter what kind of cards he's dealt, because we've seen this in two games now, no matter who's out, no matter what they have to deal with, they're going to find some guys and create some sort of a game plan or at least adjust in the game to keep the game within reach and see what happens. And right now, he's got a football team and a, and a bunch of players that have a lot of experience just winning close games. They, I mean, it's kind of weird watching K-State win close games, isn't it? Yeah. Don't, don't you feel like just as a K-State fan, period, that generally speaking, oh, it's a close game, they're not going to win this one. But I know that goes back to maybe, for me anyway, when K-State was first getting good, they'd play Nebraska. You know, Chad may be out there throwing for 500 yards or something, but they didn't win the game. You know, you could tell they were getting better. They just weren't winning those games. And maybe that's what I hearken back to, but it seems to me like right now, A-State's just the team that's going to win a lot of close games. I did Sirius XM Radio earlier this week, and they asked me, you know, why is Kansas State seeing success and maybe Matt Wells at Tech isn't? And I, go, I, I said, you can just go look at the outcome of close games. I think Tech now under Wells is 1-8 and eight or 1-7 and seven in games decided by a touchdown or less. Uh, this was another close game, even though it didn't fall into that category that they lost. And Kleiman's team typically wins that. If you go back and look at last year, uh, a couple of those losses were blowouts. I mean, they kind of got behind Oklahoma State and lost some games. But I think in year two, hopefully they're going to find some stability. After that Arkansas State game, I didn't think that was going to happen. But it appears to be that way. And you're right. One of the big things Chris Kleiman does is he shrugs everything off now. 
he, he admits this. He said when COVID first hit, we would always stress out over who was out and who was going to be in and who was quarantined. And now we're like, just give us a list. Okay, here's what we got to do. We can still play. Here's who we got. And I think we've seen that reflected in how the players play because you look at the guys in the secondary uh, that have really stepped up. Uh, Boy Doe and Gardner at corner were off the depth chart at the start of the year, and now they look like legitimate starting corners in the Big 12. Keats, there was never a time with Bill Snyder, and I'm sorry if this upsets people, where you could go to the third-string corner and he would look like he belonged on the field under Bill Snyder. That's just not the way he coached his team. He got his, his players that were going to play ready, and everyone else was just waiting for their turn in the future. These guys have gotten the message. You might be called upon. You better be ready because if it's time to go, you better go. And they have learned that since losing to Arkansas State. Yeah, I think the difference in Bill Snyder, obviously Hall of Fame coach, was so old school. And for years and years and years, the way you coached football was, you didn't believe any underclassmen were any good. You got them on campus and you beat them down. You beat them down to build them up. You told them, you're not good enough. Get in the weight room and add 20 pounds. You're not fast enough. Get over there and work on your ability to run. You're not this, you're not that. And they were told all these negative things to try to get them to work harder, to be better. And I don't see Chris Kleiman like that. You know him better than I do, but I don't see it like that. I think he goes and recruits kids and says, Hey, prove, prove me wrong. Get out there and play. Let's go. You can do this. And that's the difference between being a player's coach and not a player's coach. I don't think Bill Snyder was a great player's coach. I don't think anybody would argue that his way worked. His way was so necessary at Kansas state when he first got there because Kleiman's way would not have worked. If he took over when Snyder took over in the 80s, this would not work. I'm telling you, it would not work. That thing had to be, it had to be fundamentally changed in everything that they do. It's a different time and place now, and the young athletes are different. And he basically empowers them and says, you can do this. And, it, and with a lot of young people, that really, really works. And they need to be told that. Maybe it's generational, but it's resonating with the players. What is surprising to me is how fundamentally sound they are. They seem to know what to do as freshmen which means they must be getting a lot of reps on the practice field. I don't know if he splits them up. I don't know if he takes the freshman, you know, over to one end of the field and says, okay, we're going to practice all by ourselves down here. We're going to get you guys reps. To me, the key would be not having a bunch of players standing around. It would be everybody's getting repetitions um, in practice. Seems to me like they're getting that done. Yeah, I agree. One point in the game in the second half, you've got the – true freshman quarterback, the true freshman running back, and oh yeah, Carver Willis, the true freshman left tackle. A true freshman left tackle was pressed into duty due to having to relieve uh, Levinston, the starter, for, you know, just because he was worn out. That's just unbelievable. Oh, and by the way, they won. I mean, that isn't like we're putting the true freshman in because the season's lost. They're putting the true freshman in because the season isn't lost. That they give them a good chance to win. It's incredible. It's absolutely amazing what they're doing right now. And T.J. Smith, true freshman. This class has been a home run so far, and we'll see if uh, what Kleiman says, that more players are getting ready and will be ready, and you'll see them if that starts to come to fruition over the next few weeks. Yeah, and the one thing that has not changed under Chris Kleiman that's been there with Bill Snyder, I noticed this week, I don't know how much of this you've noticed, but you said you've been called by SiriusXM and, they're having you on K-State's in first place. It's only two games in, but people around the country, have, you know, they go and they, they just briefly look over the standings, the power five leagues. I think a lot of people in the media around the country went, Oh, K-State's in first place. Well, immediately what's the reaction nationally? 
The Big 12 sucks this yep. year. Fitz. I mean, the Big 12 is down. Look at K-State and Iowa State. What is this? This, this conference is terrible. K-State is there. I like that. I think that's great, and it, it is not a great conference. There's no national caliber team. I don't think no. even Oklahoma State is a national caliber team. But this should be great fun this year. I mean, great fun. And to me, I don't care about the national championship. Most years, nobody even thinks about it at most schools. But if you can beat your rival or have a chance to win your division or win your league, man, that's great for a college football fan. Look, they did some things wrong with their schedule. I was against playing non-conference games. If they wanted to play a 10th game, they should have added an 11th team, just saying independent BYU, Army, UConn, hell, anyone that's independent that needed a schedule, just come play in our schedule or just play nine games. Because those non-conference games, they were not ready for them. They weren't tune-ups for for the Big 12. They were opportunities for the Sun Belt to upset teams that didn't get spring practice, and they had already played. And it looked like it. They weren't ready. And now it has given a black eye to the entire conference, particularly when two of those teams that lost to the Sun Belt are now 2-0 in the conference. So now people can say, wow. I mean, these teams can't beat Sunbelt teams where they can beat Big 12 teams. And, you know, there's no context to it. There's The season's out of the norm. Oklahoma normally isn't going to be 0-2 in the league and maybe 0-3. That just doesn't happen. You don't have a team like Mississippi State win at LSU and then lose to Arkansas at home. This is just going to be a weird year in college football. And, you know, I don't want people to overjudge things. But I will say this, this is a great chance for Kansas State to to really climb the ladder. If you're the team that wins in the pandemic season, it was a real season. If you're the team that loses, oh, it was a pandemic, it didn't count. That's what Oklahoma's going to say. And uh, I think the conference isn't great, mostly to what we mentioned earlier. The quarterbacks aren't great. Uh, But uh, this is the golden opportunity for the Kansas State, the Iowa State, or Oklahoma State, which has been just a step out of uh, the pace of Oklahoma in the past to step up and get it done. Yeah, and listen, it's more of an indictment of the people in the media around the country that are saying these things to me than anything else. I was merely pointing out that I think they're pretty lazy. They just look at the standings and go, ooh, that's ugly. So this league can't be any good. Look, I don't think the league is great. So I'm I'm also not trying to say, hey, these people are wrong. They may be right. It's just kind of a cliche with K-State is, you know, whenever they're there, the league has to be down. And certainly that team isn't of any caliber. I, you know, the Oklahoma thing to me is completely explainable. Fitz. This quarterback is young. When was the last time Oklahoma had a teenage quarterback? Right. And I don't, I don't remember that. Uh, you know, they've always, they either transfer somebody in and sit behind for a year. And then he takes over when he's 22 or something like that. They've always got veteran experienced quarterbacks. And it's been like that way for many years. Well, guess what? What's that doesn't mean Oklahoma's changed. It means their quarterback situation has changed this year. And I think that I, I told you last week, I think they're going to keep losing. I think it, I think if they go five and four at this point, they're going to have a great run because that quarterback doesn't know how to play at this level yet. He's wildly talented, and next year maybe they run the table. Maybe they're great next year. I'm not discounting that, but it should be that way in college football. When you transition to a new quarterback, you should struggle in your league. At least I'll say this about the Big 12. At least the league is good enough that Oklahoma's paying the price for bringing in a new quarterback. Maybe let's look at it that way. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying Oklahoma's down or whatever, how about this? There were plenty of years where the, the Big 12 could have been just like it is, and you know Baker Mayfield could come transferring in, and they wouldn't have had to pay the price. 
but at least the league is good enough to make them pay the price right now, and I think that's good for the league. I would agree. Spencer Rattler, to me, looks like a young quarterback who's never been in enough close games, has never had to make the big play. It's always been a little bit easier for him at uh, the level he's played, and he thought it probably would be easier being with that Oklahoma team, but it's not been. Uh, K-State pushed him. Uh, I think Missouri State gave him a false sense of security, and then Iowa State came back. And I think Iowa State knew it was going to win after watching film. I think they felt really good about it. We'll see. Uh, quick thoughts on the OU Texas game? I mean, I, I don't I don't really like either team, but I, I think I'm going to have to go with Texas just because of what we talked about mm-hmm. there. I think the quarterback factor. Um, I think it's a big difference. I, I think the experience will matter here. And look, this should be the best athletes Rattlers ever seen. I mean, it should be a harder thing going up against Texas than Kansas State or Iowa State. So I'm going to go with Texas in this game just because of the young quarterback at OU. Yeah, I can go with that. And final topic, Chris Kleiman's contract extension. Your thoughts on that? I think he's earned it. I think they overpaid him when they hired him. And I thought it was just, it was, it was you know, K-State being like so many other schools saying, we're a really rich athletic department. We've balanced our budget just fine, so we're going to throw all this money at this guy. Was it toward the bottom of the Big 12? I guess. Could you got him for half that price? Yes. I don't think you. I don't think you go spend a couple million dollars on a coach when you can get him for eight hundred thousand. I think you make him prove it after that. And I guess I'll use as my example as KU because of the millions that they have squandered with coaches that didn't work out. And a, a couple of them, you didn't have to pay them that to bring them in. They would have come in for way less. I've never understood that this fans being proud that they pay their coach. Now at this point, after winning eight games last year, he's sitting two and zero right now in first place. He's knocked off Oklahoma two years in a row. I'm 100% good with it. Uh, I think Gene Taylor knows what he's doing. I think Chris Kleiman's earned it. I think it's things like this that somewhere down the road, when his phone starts to ring, may pay off at Kansas State, that Chris Kleiman says, no, this is my place, and they've been great to me from the beginning. Uh, I'm all on board with this one, but the one from North Dakota State to K-State, I thought they overpaid. I would agree with all that. At the end of this contract, that will never see an end because at some point he'll get another extension. But 2026, he'll be over $4 million. Is Chris Kleiman still in Manhattan, Kansas in 2026? In 2026. Well, this would infuriate a lot of folks listening. I mean, I guess what you hope is that he's not there, right? (laughs) Doesn't that mean he did something really fantastic in a short period of time? So, I mean, like two league titles, maybe a playoff appearance or something like that. I think he's there for a long time. I I really do. You know, as I watch his teams play, if I can't get out of my mind that I think his, I think he'd be better suited to coaching at the NFL than some big SEC program or something. I don't think he's flamboyant enough for the SEC or one of these programs. I mean, I could be wrong. He strikes me as more of an NFL coach than moving to other college places. Not that the other colleges won't come calling because if he keeps winning, they certainly will. But I also think he likes it there. I think he knows that there's kind of a, maybe some trappings to trying to go to, you know, Louisiana state or something like, or USC or something like that. And I don't know that he's even an NFL guy at his heart at all. When I watch his teams play, I see a lot of teams in the NFL that could use him as their coach. One of them is Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona. I mean, I mean, come on, what's the chances that guy's ever going to win in the NFL. If he could win with Mahomes in college, let's be honest. Everybody loves his quarterback. Great. But if you watch this Dan Quinn at Atlanta, they didn't know how to field an onside kick for God's sake. This is the NFL. We're watching it week in and week out. You know how much really awful coaching there is out there in the NFL? It's terrible. And, and then I watch a freshman at K-State, 19 years old, walk on the field and know exactly what to do. And I'm thinking, that guy probably should be in the NFL. 
Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. I, I hadn't really thought about Chris Klein in the NFL, but if you look at the offense they're running through Courtney Messingham, it really kind of looks like the stuff the NFL is running now, formation-based, throwing it to running backs and tight ends quite a bit, quite a, bit uh, a lot of window dressing to distract the defense. It's, it's very similar, and it's very enjoyable to watch. And he recruited and coached three straight NFL quarterbacks at North Dakota State. Very true. And we'll hope that he has one at K-State. He's going to have three in a row. This kid they have now is going in the top 10 of the draft. And he recruited him, and that's three in a row for him. That's three NFL starting quarterbacks in a row for climate at North Dakota State. That's crazy. If he does that in Manhattan, the whole world's coming after him. And all of those players were sitting there available to be recruited by everyone else, and he right. recognized them. That's right. Maybe Will Howard's the next. Yeah, well, let's, we'll see. Let's hope. And let's hope uh, if he goes the distance at TCU, he is effective because they will need him to deliver with some big plays like he did late against Tech. Keats, thank you very much. Much appreciated, and it's always good. Thank uh, you, sir. That will do it for this first half of the Powercat pregame show. On the other side, we have them lined up. Ryan Wallace, Brian Hanley, and Kelly Stewart. Our roundtable awaits, and we are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. The Powercat Podcast will be right back. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the, oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the Fitz and Keats PowerCat pregame show sponsored by Robbins Motor Company as we take a look at Kansas State going to TCU and we're entering our roundtable session. The dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will match you with the vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. And as we do every week, we start this roundtable with Go PowerCat's own Ryan Wallace. Wally, quick thoughts on what you saw from the Cats against Texas Tech. Well, I thought it was good. You know, I mean, I, I think coming out against that Texas Tech team and, and battling some adversity with Skyler Thompson going down, um, I thought it was a, a pretty well-balanced and well-executed game plan for the most part from the Wildcats. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, they, they pull out the win. But I think, you know, if there, if I did walk away with something, it was kind of twofold. Um, and, and it dealt with Deuce Vaughn. And on, on one hand, it was, man, this kid is unbelievable, and he's absolutely electric. 
Uh, on the other hand, and, and maybe I should add Briley Moore to this as well. On the other hand, it was how much longer can K-State survive with those two guys literally carrying the ship offensively? And um, we're, they got through that one. They got the W, but that, that continues to be kind of a lingering question, maybe a borderline concern that I have moving forward. Well, and we add in the injury to Skylar Thompson, a quarterback. Chris Kleiman has been um, insistent that they're going to get him back in practice and get him out there, and maybe he'll play. We don't know if he'll play. You know, it's all been very noncommittal. I am of the belief we will see Will Howard under center at TCU from the start. But I know this, Chris Kleiman sure as heck does not want Gary Patterson to know for sure, it'll be Will Howard, but I think that's where we're headed. Yeah, I mean, all signs point to this being not only the Will Howard show in Fort Worth, but possibly the Will Howard show for the foreseeable future based on everything that we've been hearing at Go Cat here within you know the last week or so. So uh, I think that's, that's the way K-State is preparing behind the scenes. And like you said, honestly, kudos to Chris Kleiman. You know, I mean, that is that is a page straight from the Bill Snyder playbook. It, it is it is poker face to a T, and, and you know not allowing the immediate opponent or future opponents to really know the extent of things. So, you know, on one hand you're kind of like, ah, coach, you know, don't don't be dishonest with us. On the other hand, um, I think that's a great move by Chris Kleiman. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and who knows, maybe a miracle will happen and Skyler can get out there, but I don't think so. Ran for 198 as a team against Texas Tech. That is an encouraging sign. It really is, and a lot of it's the magic of Deuce Vaughn. But also, I felt like uh, while inconsistent, the offensive line did offer some more running lanes for the running backs, and we saw Jacardia Wright, and I thought he played pretty darn well. I, I wish he'd gotten more than three carries. Harry Trotter was back and carried it twelve times. Uh, I I like those three as a as a trio, and I I know they they've got some other options back there, but those three can carry you a long ways. I believe they're all a little bit different. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that Skyler Thompson is is you know unquestionably doubtful for the game against TCU because I think as we saw from Sam Ellinger a week ago in Austin, uh, this Horn Frog defense, especially that that front four um, has been really susceptible to the run this year, which is kind of surprising from a Gary Patterson defense. They're still very aggressive. You know, they're still going to create pressure, but they just have given up some big plays and they've come both on the ground and in the run, but you know, or in the passing game, but uh, to see them struggle at times with gaping holes um, versus the opponent's ground game is interesting. And I think, you know, Skylar Thompson really could have helped that this week. Um, instead, you get Will Howard, who it's not that he's immobile, but he's certainly not as comfortable scrambling and kind of extending plays like Skyler can just from, you know, that, that kind of senior leadership that you see from Skyler. So, unfortunately, um, K-State's going to have to lean more on those running backs that you're describing. But it could be a good thing um, so long as this offensive line minus Cooper Beebe <laughs> – can you know create some of those lanes? Uh, I think that's an area that K State certainly needs needs to exploit. Yeah, that that one uh, hurts. I, losing your starting quarterback is bad, but when you lose a redshirt freshman lineman that you're really counting on, like Cooper Beebe, we hope he can be back. But I'm guessing 
Um, if it is a you know an ankle issue, they'll sit him and give him the off week next week before uh, the Cats play Kansas. And that's just going to be kind of a roster management decision at some point for Kansas State to decide to to hold on to him. Uh, if Skylar Thompson doesn't play, I think Will Howard is capable of running the ball. The, the coaches have said that, but will they want to? I mean, you're already down your starting quarterback. You're on a true freshman. You do have Nick Ost, a, a guy that's been around the system, you know, been around the program. But he's, I don't know if he's someone you want to put out there. Jaron Lewis is also available. Uh, it's, it, I think you got to get pretty conservative with the quarterback run game uh, if, uh, if you are without Skyler. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, to, to some extent, it's, uh, it's kind of a nightmare matchup for Will Howard. Um, it's, it's a good thing that K-State got his feet wet um, for a prolonged period of time last weekend against Texas Tech. You know, that's a defense that, you know, isn't uh, doesn't have a ton of concepts that they're going to throw at you. And you saw Courtney Messingham was kind of able to just kind of throw the basics out there, um, not give Will Howard a ton of reads to go through and just make easy throws. With Gary Patterson's defense, uh, it's all over the place. I mean, they are the definition of multiple. They're going to play 4-3. They're going to play 3-3-5. They're going to play 3-4. And they're going to disguise all sorts of stuff and bring – pressure from all sorts of angles so we're going to learn a lot about will howard um not only can he pick up um you know recognize the the play designs from the opponent this week but also you know what kind of stones he has because in, in eight meetings if you go back to when tcu joined the big 12 four of these games between these two purple teams have been decided by one score um and so this could be a, another very competitive one and another very tight one. And, you know, for as much as you want to lean on Deuce Vaughn and Briley Moore, the ball's got to get in Will Howard's hands first. And so we're going to we're gonna find out a lot about the young freshman uh, this Saturday. I agree. On to the K-State defense. They, they look really good at times. And then other times they got spread out against Texas Tech and got gashed by the run of all things from the Red Raiders. The good news is I don't expect TCU to spread them out a lot unless they want to try to replicate that. I am worried about Max Dugan running the ball. Uh, But Kansas State's just got to be a little bit better in the heart of the defense and not get bent back at the point of attack, which happened against Texas Tech. Still, I'm encouraged by this defense. Your thoughts? I'm definitely encouraged by the defense. You know, and and when we talk to – uh, our friends down at Horn Frog Blitz, uh, our, our sister side on the 24/7 network from TCU. You know, I mentioned he, there was a question asked of what what's different about K State's defense, and I said honestly, it's just more athletic. It's it's more fast. They they can cover ground, um, specifically in the secondary. We're seeing waves and waves of guys go out there for Joel Klanderman through that rotation, whether it be D line all the way back to the safeties and for the most part, um, they're not losing a whole lot, which is fantastic news. They're going to get Justin Gardner. It sounds like he's uh, probable to play on Saturday. Lance Robinson is expected to return. Um, so they're they're going to be practically at full strength, you would hope, uh, against the Horned Frogs, and they're going to need it. The, the question becomes, Fitz, if you're Joe Klanderman, do you let Max Dugan kind of do what he wants on the ground and – try and take away some of those receiving options and, and, you know, limit the big play? 
you know, or do you really put some pressure on Max Dugan, knowing that Max Duggan, excuse me, that knowing that you can uh, possibly get, get get burnt because he's a quarterback that, that likes to scramble. And it's interesting too that you know when you go back and look at K State last year, when they played the top five rushing quarterbacks in the Big Twelve last year, the Wildcats went two and three in those games. But ironically enough, the two wins that they had were against Oklahoma and TCU, and both those quarterbacks ran for more yards than any of the other five did against State. So it's kind of this recipe of okay, do you let Max Duggan or a la Jalen Hurts last year go crazy and take away their weapons, or do you really try and play a balanced, sound game? And I think K-State is going to do all that they can to try, and I would take the quarterback play away because when you you know, cut the head off of this offense, which is Max Duggan because he leads them in rushing and obviously passing, they become a much weaker team. So it'll it'll be interesting to see the what what level of attack mode Joe Klanderman, you know, sends out there on Saturday with his defense. That brings me to the next topic. I ask Wyatt Hubert about Joe Klanderman as opposed to Scotty Hazelton and, and Hubert said he's been more conservative and I think he was saying it was surprise I think it's temporary. I think he's being very conservative here early in the season to not show too many cards, but I think he's going to dial up a few more things at TCU. Just a suspicion, no insider information there. Um, But I think K-State's going to start peeling back that onion a little more and and showing some things. Well, and I think this might be a decent game to do it, you know, because I think you're going to want to get um, TCU off the field um, to, to limit again, you know, that the defense of K-State obviously getting tired because we don't know what the K-State offense is going to be able to do on Saturday in Fort Worth. So you don't want that defense to get stuck, as we've seen in times earlier this season where they're out for, you know, these long periods, uh, long spells and big drives. So this would be the game to do it because not only could you possibly fluster a guy like Max Duggan, who has looked much improved this year, um, but that's an offensive line, much like K-State's, that's still trying to find themselves. And it sounds as though TCU will be without their starting running back, Amari uh, DiMarcato, who, you know, hasn't rushed the ball a ton this year, but he's really the only veteran they have in the backfield. Otherwise, it's four different freshmen, um, which they'll probably end up starting Kendry Miller, who's been pretty good himself, you know, Deuce Vaughn aside. He's been a pretty electric freshman already, but... Again, with the inexperience of Duggan, even though he had you know a little bit of time last year, uh, and then you add in a, a wealth of inexperience next to him in the backfield, what a great game to really just send the dogs after him, and and that means Elijah Sullivan, uh, you know, go find the ball, Khalid Duke, go find the ball, and so on and so on. This would be a great game for Joe Klanderman to get a little bit more explosive in his play calling. Plus, you can't block a punt if you don't make them punt. So we'll see how that plays out. I doubt they get a fourth blocked punt. I just I see no scenario in which Gary Patterson lets that happen to him. But we will see how the game plays out. Maybe it'll be a return this week, Wally. You never know. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Thank you, Brian Wallace. Good stuff as always. And now we turn our attention to our football analyst, Brian Hanley, the former offensive lineman, joins us now on the Pyrocat pregame show. Brian, I watched parts of the TCU-Texas game last week. Uh, It was physical. 
Max Duggan's back for TCU, and it really helps them. But I still don't have a full grasp on TCU. Uh, I don't know where this team's at, but I know this. Vegas has put them as a 10-point favorite over K-State. So I would say that, um, you know, based on that, Vegas thinks Will Howard's playing at quarterback and that TCU's pretty good. Your thoughts? Well, I watched some of it, too. And it's um, the only thing, and this is kind of a staple, they're going to play hard. They are going to play extremely hard because that's what, you know, Coach Patterson has them always doing. The quarterback looked like he had gotten his feet underneath him a little bit. I know Texas is always a huge game for them. Um, Ten points, I don't know. Um, The defense, obviously, is going to be running around, but Texas, you know, moved the ball when they wanted to move the ball against them. So um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, the first game jitters from – uh, true freshman quarterback starting, you would like to think that he got some of that out of him by playing in a few games and playing most of the game last week. But starting is a whole nother ball game. Being thrown in, you know, in the fire is one thing, but you know, being the starter, who knows? So who knows how that's going to be? Who knows if he's going to start? Let's just, we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's exactly it. I know this Gary Patterson uh, loves his defense. And if, Will Howard's under center, whether they know it before the game or not, uh, and he does start, they are going to bring the house. They are going to make this kid as uncomfortable as they can, and they're going to be physical with him. They're going to want to get to him and knock him around and see what he's made of. Yeah, they're definitely going to do that. Uh, The key is going to be the offensive line holding up, but also running the football, you know, and putting the quarterback in positions – that are going to be the easy reads. Hey, we're just reading this half of the field. We're just doing this. We're just doing that. The easier that we can make the game for him, the better off that we're going to be, I believe. And that goes with any true freshman quarterback. I mean, you just got to make the game as simple as possible. But definitely TCU defense is going to be flying around, playing very, very physical. So it's going to be up to the old line. It's going to be up to everybody, including the coaching staff. But often the line is going to have to come to play today or or Saturday. They're going to have to come to play. Yeah, and that brings me to that topic. I thought the offensive line showed some signs of progress against Texas Tech. Uh, There's still a great deal of inconsistency. I worry about being able to stage prolonged drives with this group because they can't string that many plays together. But when K-State ran the ball against Texas Tech, there was often running lanes to get through, and that is a dramatic change from the, the first game, certainly, and most of the Oklahoma game, too. Yeah, it was. Uh, but at least it was good to see. Now, then again, let's go back. How good is Tech's defense? Eh, you never know. But And I expect TCU's defense to be a lot better um, and the one thing that you've known over the years is that they usually don't give up too many yards rushing. So it, you have to get things through the air. But again, we got to be creative. Um, you know, run on passing downs, pass on running downs, just doing things to keep the defense off balance. Uh, make sure that the offensive line is counting where the guys are and the number of guys that could possibly come. Understand where blitzes can come. You know, doing those type of things and just being smart out there is going to help because you got to, if, if a true freshman quarterback is actually going to be the one that's going to play, 
then as an offensive lineman, you've got to help him because he's not going to be able to change plays. He's not going to know how to do that. So you are going to have to be able to count and to be able to tell him, which I'm sure the coaching staff is putting in things now for the lineman to be able to count, tell him, check here, do this, blah, 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 whatever it needs to be. Well, uh, I know this. Will Howard did check on that final pass play for Kansas State's offense that led to the 70-yard touchdown. He does have some of this uh, down, but, boy, when you get into the heat of the game and you can just get loaded, it's going to be an interesting day, to say the least. Defensively for K-State, other than getting spread out at times in the second half and having uh, Tech run the ball right up the middle, I thought the defense was pretty good. I really thought they did a good job, and I don't think they're going to see much spread formation from TCU. And if they get back to their base, which nowadays is a nickel, uh, and they can just line up in the you know center of the field and play defense, I think this defense is okay as of now. We will see how it plays out in Fort Worth. Yeah, I mean, they played well. Like I said, the first half was lights out. Played very well. Second half, you're right. They got a little spread out, a little spread thin, and Tech took advantage of it uh, about as well as I've seen in a long time. They just, hey, if you're going to spread out, we are literally going to run the ball right up the middle against you, right where you left guys. You move move people out, and they just ran right behind that. So um, hopefully – we get some of that stuff cleaned up, but it's just going to be a physical, another physical game. It always is with TCU. So the most physical team wins. I mean, I know football changes and formations and we like to see a lot of points, but football is still football. Most physical team usually wins. Yep. And line up and uh, just kind of punch them in the face and see what happens. And that's the way games of TCU is. You just got to come and be ready yep. to, to go. And, and thankfully, K-State has a week off because usually there's some healing to be done after you play the Frogs. That's correct. That is correct. It's going to be a physical game. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. I think the guys, again, having these two wins under their belt, I think that gives them a lot of confidence. I just think that we're going in the right direction. I'd agree. Uh, special teams plays, they've been making them. No penalties, been pretty decent with penalties after that first game. Uh, picking off passes, done it every game. Winning the turnover battle, hell, K-State has zero turnovers. All of these things are so important to a team, and if they keep up these trends, Brian Hanley, they're going to win a lot of football games. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's the key. You don't turn the ball over. You don't kill yourself with penalties. I mean, usually the mistake-free team wins. And if we're going to keep doing that, I don't see why we can't be one of those teams that key down. Obviously, there's going to, there's there's other aspects to it, but if you're going to do those two things and play great in the kicking game, I mean, you're going to win a lot of football. I don't care who you are. You've got to win a lot of football games. You won't be able to help yourself but to win football games at that point. Yep, I agree. Uh, it's going to be hard to keep up the punt block string. If they do four in a row, I'll I'll declare it a miracle because I, <laughs> I think Gary Patterson's going to make sure it doesn't happen. Uh, so maybe they'll be leaning on uh, Phillip Brooks in the return game in this game on Saturday afternoon down in Fort Worth. I'm very, very interested to watch this game, Brian, because uh, – I still think K-State's good, but not great. Uh, but I could say that about everyone in the conference, uh, including Oklahoma and Texas, which play at 11. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Sooners and Longhorns as they tangle down in Dallas this weekend? 
Well, I heard something interesting today is as far as pressure and who the pressure is on. And I agree with it. The pressure is directly on Texas because in years past, Oklahoma has been better. They've had a better quarterback. They've had a better team. That's not the case this year. Texas had, not that Texas never had talent. They have more talent than OU does this year. They have the more experienced quarterback this year. They have the better team this year. And it's the same old, same old. You lose the unranked teams. It's like you, you got to get be more mentally tough. They just continuously lose to these teams that they should beat. And if they can't beat OU, and I know that they, they, they beat OU from time to time when OU is really good. But if they're not going to beat OU this year, I don't know when they're going to beat them. Because in Texas, at, at some point, they have to get back. They have to. You know, I mean, I would think they have to get back. OU, on the other hand, OU's just, they're scrambling. They're scrambling. Uh, they were way overrated, clearly. They're not as good as what everybody thinks. But a win here puts them back on the map, and it will. It'll put them back in, on track. Um, but the loser here, boy, they're, they're going to be in some trouble. Uh, trying to get to the Big 12 title game. They're going to be in some real trouble. So I'm intrigued to see it. Um, I believe OU wins, though. I just, I'll be honest, I'm not a believer in Tom Herman. I'm, I'm not. I, I don't believe I don't believe in him. I think he got the job because there, he was the, the flash in the pan from Houston, and everybody thought he was great. And he got into this job, and he's been overwhelmed. And I, I, I'm just not a believer. I'm with you on that. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting day for this Red River rivalry down in Dallas. You know what? If Oklahoma loses, if they spiral this season, it's going to be, hey, it was a pandemic. We had a freshman quarterback. Uh, yep. 2021, here we come. If Texas loses this game and spirals, it'll be, hey, we had a senior quarterback and we should have won a lot more games. It's time to make a coaching change, even if it was a pandemic. Uh, Absolutely. I think th I think this is the most critical game Tom Herman has played. And as you said, they have the better team. They have the better quarterback. They should win this game. And I won't be surprised if OU wins. Nope, I won't, because Lincoln Riley's a better coach. He just is. Thank you, Brian Hanley. And now it's time to talk gambling with one of my favorite people in the entire world, Miss Kelly Stewart. Kelly in Vegas, and she helps us preview TCU and Kansas State, 3 p.m. kick down in Fort Worth. And very interesting, when the line came out, it looked like TCU minus 10. It's kind of settled down a little bit. I'm, I'm showing like eight and a half, nine now. Um, and a lot of that's probably based on the quarterback situation for Kansas State, correct? Correct. But, you know, something to always check here is not to buy into the over-exaggeration there. When it came out at 10, I uh, was watching the NFL games, came out at 10 here at Circa in Las Vegas. And I said, ah. and then when I looked at it Monday morning, and I was like, damn it. <laughs> I knew I should have bet the 10. I was way too enthralled in I was way too enthralled in the NFL. What the hell was going on? It was eight and a half. Look, uh, would I say that TCU should be 
a six-point favorite with Skylar Thompson in? Maybe. Maybe. This line is just way too high. Look, bottom line, K-State not getting respect, again, per usual. Uh, look, and even last week when we saw money coming out of Texas Tech, people are buying the hype of this Kansas State team. But if they can continue to run the ball and play defense, I think they can beat TCU. I would agree. I think running the ball is really crucial for Kansas State in this game. The offensive line is showing some progress. Uh, they need to take another step forward in this game. But if K-State can run the ball, kind of protect the freshman quarterback, if Will Howard is indeed the guy under center, then uh, I think that will bode well for K-State because I haven't been overwhelmed by TCU, but that's no different than anything else in this conference. I'm not enthralled with anything here that I'm seeing. I just think it's a weird season. And maybe it'll be the same in every conference, Kelly. Maybe every conference will will look as disjointed as the Big 12 once they all get up and running over a course of a number. You know, a tiny bit, Arkansas beating Mississippi State, yeah. finally getting a win in the SEC. I mean, we're going to see this, and we know that the Big Ten's coming back here shortly. And it uh, looks like the Pac-12 as well. So I think, look, it's going to be one of those things where we can find some interesting nuggets here and there. Betting against Oklahoma the last two weeks has been very profitable. And uh, I wish I could do it again this week. I'm not going to. I wish I could. Uh, I wish that Oklahoma was laying way too many points. So, first of all, Kansas State now at minus, or excuse me, TCU at minus eight and a half against K State. You say that you wish you'd gotten it at 10. I do, but I still think the line is too high. I, I, I think this K-State team, again, is not getting respect in the marketplace, except for when somebody put out a 10. Uh, you have to remember, these early college openers, they don't take a ton of money on them. Like, I'm talking 500 bucks, 1000 bucks. They're going to move the line, right? Yeah. The bookmakers are trying to figure out where the money is going to come in and where the dust needs to settle. My guess is it settles around a touchdown, which is, I said TCU should be a six-point favorite with Skyler. Um Look, there's not a ton of home field advantage this year, as we can tell. There's familiarity, which is something to keep in mind here. But this TCU team hasn't done a ton to impress me. I think a lot of people were really impressed they beat Texas last week and then thought somehow K-State was going to have a letdown spot. Uh, Not so fast. If if there's a letdown spot to be had, I think it's – I think it is TCU this week. I don't think that this team is anything special. I do think that Gary Patterson deserves all the respect in the world as head coach. Uh, I'm not buying the hype. I think this is too many points, and I think they're on upset alert. Yep, over under around 50, which means it's going to be a low-scoring game by, you know, Big 12 standards if that holds up. Uh, Yeah, you know, you and I talked about the total last week, and it really all just depends. If the K-State defense comes to play and K-State wins this game, it's going under the total. If it gets out of control, it's because TCU's offense was able to score and K-State was forced to try to match that score and probably inevitably makes mistakes uh, trying to keep up because that's not how they're built. That's right. Well, let's get on to the other big game here. OU and Texas uh, tangling down in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, what a weird game. Texas is 1-1 one one in the Big 12. Oklahoma's 0-2. Uh, who would have thunk this? OU a two-and-a-half point favorite over under of 72. What do you think of this game? I'm just trying to figure out how the hell Texas is in the top 25. So, look, this is Texas in a nutshell. I listened to uh, Talking Heads on Monday morning. 
should they fire Tom Herman? Is this just not what we hear from mm -hmm. Texas every four to six years? Stop thinking that Texas is back. I need everybody to pump the brakes. They jump on it early. They say we have all these four and five star recruits. We are back by God and we're going to win a national championship. They got to get their head out of the sand. Look, the Big 12, every time we have a representative in the college football playoff, <coughs> Oklahoma, we get absolutely smoked. It's embarrassing. That actually is the one good thing about Oklahoma being Oh, and two in the Big 12 is they can't embarrass us this year in the college football playoff. All uh, jokes aside, Texas pump the brakes. I hate looking at ranked teams getting points. I think it's trappy. And uh, especially on a neutral site that is the Cotton Bowl, I think Oklahoma squeaks out a win. If Texas uh, – plays a flawless game sure they can beat oklahoma as we've seen iowa state and kansas state both do man lincoln riley's got his hands full uh, with spencer radler you and i talked about him last week if he can't control his quarterback it's going to be a long season for the sooners sure will be this is an intriguing game i i think if oklahoma st starts 0-3 everyone in norman will just say well that kind of sucks but it's a pandemic year we got a freshman quarterback who cares if texas starts one and two I think the Herman being fired talk really warms up in Austin. Um, they're, they're just not patient enough down there, and it's kind of entertaining. They just aren't, and I think that it, it takes time. And, you know, I think this first two years with Chris Kleiman, we've been very uh, lucky as K-State fans. Uh, but I also think that we – I like to think now, not all of us, I like to think that there is a – curve in Manhattan, Kansas that we grade on. <laughs> so a little, a little bit different than how they do things down in Austin. Absolutely. Third Big 12 game of the week. There's only three as teams start first taking their first round of bye weeks. Texas Tech goes to Iowa State. Apparently after you beat Oklahoma, you get to play Texas Tech. That's how the rules work. Uh, the game, as of what I'm seeing right here, is off the board, probably because of the uncertainty at quarterback from Texas Tech. Uh, I don't know how I feel about this. I'm not that impressed with Iowa State, and I think they're good. But Texas Tech just kind of lingers. They seem like they should be better than they are, and yet they find ways to lose. So riddle me this, Tim. If you lose to Arkansas State and then you beat Oklahoma, you get no respect. If you lose to Louisiana Lafayette, which I told everybody Iowa State was going to do, uh, and then you beat you barely TCU and then you beat Oklahoma, you get to be in the top 25. It doesn't make sense and neither does this line at 12 and a half. Uh, that's where I saw it go off earlier. You're right with some uncertainty with the quarterback position at Texas Tech. I'm going to go ahead and say that the drop-off isn't worth about a half a point, maybe a point. Again, even more overreaction to add to the line. I hope that's the case. If I get 13 here, 13 and a half, I'm going to be ecstatic. This Iowa State team is okay. Brock Purdy is decent. Yes, they beat Oklahoma last week, but I think in six weeks we're going to look back, as you just said, and Oklahoma will have written off the season due to coronavirus and say, it's okay, we have a young quarterback, we have a young team, we'll rebuild year, right? I, I'm just not that impressed with Iowa State. How the hell are they laying double digits against Texas Tech? Now, I know what K-State was able to do against Texas Tech. I know that Texas Tech took Texas to the wire and should have won that game. But come on, this is just downright disrespectful to the Red Raiders. I think the Red Raiders keep it close, and I wouldn't be surprised if they can spring the upset. I agree. I agree with all that. 
That's why we're friends. Hey, by the way, uh, I saw a great tweet, uh, an aerial view of the Circa, uh, their their new pool area with the giant screen TVs. Oh, my goodness, Kelly. Oh, oh, my. I want. Yeah. Yes, it is going to be absolutely epic. Uh, what Derek Stevens has been able to do with downtown, he bought um, the Golden Gate. He bought, he bought. I forget which hotel it was. I think Fitzgerald's maybe. He turned it into the D. He's from Detroit, so hence the D reference. Um, and now with Circa, uh, I got lucky enough to get invited to the grand opening. Holy cow, the pool is going to be great. The sports book is going to be great. The steakhouse uh, is owned by one of my good friends. I, I'm just so excited for this place to open. I think it's going to be really helpful to kind of help Vegas get back on its feet. I know a lot of people that are really jacked. And, and to have a pool open year-round doesn't happen all that often in Vegas. So, to be able to watch the game from uh, the largest screen, basically, I've ever seen in my life in person is going to be pretty epic. That's awesome. That's awesome. Just write it down. Next time Tim comes to Vegas, we're going to Circa. Absolutely. That will do it for this week's edition of the Fitz and Keats Powercat pregame show. And we're brought to you by Robbins Motor Company at Robbins Motors. They strive to earn lifetime business and build relationships selling quality cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs and offering top-notch parts and service. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the Powercat pregame podcast. 3 p.m., Fox TV, get ready for the Cats and Horned Frogs. It's purple on purple, and we will see who emerges as one of the top teams in the Big 12 this season. We appreciate you listening, and remember, subscribe to the PowerCat Podcast. We have a podcast dropping every day throughout football season. I'll talk to you next week. PowerCat Podcast, all rights reserved, gopowercat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Fantasy baseball draft season is upon us, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, six times per week throughout March. Sleepers, breakouts, busts, live mock drafts, spring training updates, and everything in between every Monday through Saturday. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.